0: Mighty tropical. Yes, your hair is elevated. Dude, I was just thinking it's like almost a pompadour or something. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on everybody this is Josh with the affiliate marketing show I am from offervault.com the industry's number one aggregator of affiliate networks advertisers offers and all things affiliate marketing we also have mister Paper call himself Adam Young as well as Harrison Gewurz once a teenage prodigy now an internet marketing guru we also have Ricky Ahuja the founder of focus squared an ad agency that specializes in health Nutra and real estate niches. That's a big word here on the show. I finally learned how to pronounce it. What's up, Ricky? How are we doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. How are you guys doing? Been a while. Yeah, we're doing good,
0: man. I appreciate I'm you triggered. coming the
2: show, Guru. God damn
0: it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yes. yeah no, man.
1: This uh, summer is kind of crazy with all the travel and stuff that's going on. So I don't look forward to going anywhere with all these uh, airline situations right now.
0: Yeah, just curious. Are you hitting any of the uh, conferences coming up?
1: I'm supposed to, but I'm on the fence for Barcelona. But New York, I'll definitely be there. And um, yeah, I think there are a couple of other local ones that are happening here. But yeah, not not a whole lot beside that.
0: Nice. Well, maybe we're Bangkok
1: gonna... in December
0: yeah that's always a good one let's dive right into it the first topic we're going to talk about today is actually related to ai generated websites and people finding a way to make money on that through advertising even though the content is sometimes low quality so people are using ai chat chat bots to fill junk websites with ai generated text that attracts paying advertisers according to a new report From the organization NewsGuard that was shared exclusively with MIT Technology Review, which is where we are taking this information from, just a brief bird's eye view here to get everyone on the same page, over 140 major brands are paying for ads that end up on unreliable AI written sites, likely without their knowledge, 90% of the ads from major brands found on these AI sites were served by Google though the company's own policy prohibits sites from placing Google served ad on pages that include spammy, automatically generated content. The practice threatens to speed up the arrival of glitchy, spammy Internet that is overrun by AI generated content, as well as wasting massive amounts of ad money. Adam, I'm going to pass this to you. I know a lot of this ties into what's called programmatic advertising, as well as, uh, quote unquote, made for advertising websites. Can you kind of break down what is programmatic advertising and what are made for advertising websites and how does that kind of contribute to this problem that we're seeing with AI generated news sites, if you want to call them that.
3: Yeah, sure. So programmatic advertising is where banner placements or other types of advertising units are put on websites. And what actually shows up in those ad units is the result of an auction and generally some type of machine learning model that's taking a look at all the metadata around the user to determine their bid price. For instance, if Ricky goes to a website, and we know that his awesome daughter goes to Harvard, we may want to bid more for that impression to sell him something related to, I don't know, student loan consolidation or something,
1: because <laughs> those bills are coming, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, so
3: what, what the programmatic advertising does is in 300 milliseconds or less, which is generally the tolerance for real-time bidding, it's taking a look at all the information, all the metadata around the user, the audience segments, the cookies, um, all of the other information that's available, and then all these people are bidding on that placement. Now, the, the way that's usually done is uh, in a lot of cases, they're also looking at the content on the website to determine the categories of the website, Or what type of advertisements that might want to be placed at the website, for instance, if you have a blog and it's filled with education related content generally what's going to happen is the programmatic engine is going to target education related ads to the people who go to that website and that's where uh, these made for advertising websites come in and made for advertising websites aren't necessarily bad, a lot of websites are made for advertising. I mean, even news sites at this point are literally made to run ads on them so that they can support their business. So in general, this term isn't a negative. However, where it gets into kind of a bad place is when marketers take all this AI generated or spun content and put it on here to try and manipulate the advertising and the programmatic engines to raise the CPMs, which are the cost per thousand impressions, or the CPC uh, with Google AdSense, which is every time someone clicks the ad, the marketer gets paid. And so if you take really poor quality content or spun content and you put advertisements on it and then drive, traffic to those websites to try and sort of manipulate the outcomes of the advertising, that's where you get into a place that doesn't work for Google, it doesn't work for the consumer, the advertising engines, unfortunately, aren't able to generally detect this type of behavior, because it's, it's really complicated. And so as the AI gets better, two things happen. One, the user experience does improve a bit, if your AI content is actually consumable and has some sort of value to it, the advertising engines will show relevant ads, and the consumer may actually read it, find something they like, um, and and it may be better. Uh, But also, the other side of that is the AI content gets better, it also gets much harder to detect programmatically. So your bots and your crawlers uh, can't go to the website and then immediately determine that it's AI content. And so I believe that over time, as the AI gets better, this will become less and less of an issue. Because if you go to a website and it's super high quality content, has ads on it, you're actually showing the consumer what they want to see, providing them value on the website, and then also giving the advertiser exactly what they want. So I think in the future, as this technology converges and gets better, we actually will care about this less. We'll benefit. Consumers will benefit
2: because they're getting what they want. Who cares if it's some journalist in a, you know, newsroom that wrote the content, or if it was some AI automated shit that wrote the content, but today it's definitely a long way to go.
0: Yeah. The issue, the issue or part of the issue is like the spread of misinformation right now because AI is so new. So do you feel like there's any threat in terms Mm -hmm. of that and the brands that are unknowingly advertising on sites that are spreading misinformation? Yeah.
3: So uh just not too long ago a lawyer is facing disbarment because they had chat gpt write their reply to a motion and it cited cases that didn't exist and so that's part of the problem is the ai will create phantom uh, phantom things things that aren't true things that don't make sense and so what does happen is you could have a really really well written article by AI, something like ChatGPT. And it is so good that the consumer thinks they're getting real information, but it might be entirely based on nonsense. And that actually could be a major threat to a consumer because they could go to the website, see the website, read the website, take advice based on the website that may not even exist and then uh, cause harm to themselves. So. That is also part of the problem. And I think in the massive content farms, when you're talking about a made for advertising website, it's highly likely that they're going to have hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of posts and pages, and no human's going to actually review all of that information to see if it's accurate. And so, Then people's advertisements get shown next to this content. So you might show an advertisement for something related to legal on one of these blogs that's talking about a case that doesn't exist and an outcome that never happened, and the consumer sees it and then they're influenced to go to the ad. um, And that could create bad outcomes for advertisers.
1: That's actually a great point. Uh, You know, with the different brands that we work with and setting up their affiliate programs. A lot of the content that the affiliates put out is generated through AI. And while most of it is pretty solid and legitimate, a lot of it doesn't really make sense relative to the product that they're supposed to be promoting. So we've had instances where we've had our own compliance team or legal team having to go through each and every piece of content that's out there. that that mentions our brand to make sure that they're not making any claims at all that are not relevant to what the product claims. And I think
3: that's really the best way to do it. Just to, to highlight and reiterate there, like if your brand is on something, uh, Josh, like Ricky said, you absolutely have to review what's going on. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Ricky, I don't generally deal with affiliates, but affiliates are lazy. And so they're just gonna be like, hey, ChatGPT, write this blog post about some sort of diet product and make people wanna get it. And then yeah. ChatGPT might be like, if you take this pill, you'll lose 10 pounds in four weeks. <laughs> it's just like, no, that's like cite a medical study that doesn't
1: exist. <laughs> that's absolutely the case. And like honestly, like for this year, like one of my resolutions was to be a lot more active on LinkedIn. So a fun fact is like a majority of the content that's on my LinkedIn posts are generated by Chat GPT or BARD, uh, which is the Google product. So I mean it's it's a pretty significant piece of the content development for a lot of our affiliates and our in house team. Um, but on an agency level, like we've had, <laughs> we've had employees knock out content for our clients and clients plugged it into a tool and identified that all this garbage was written through AI and they weren't too happy about that. So now, even when the, for internal purposes, when we put out content, we kind of make sure that we put it through a lot of checks and balances to make sure it doesn't, it doesn't identify as that. and it- it comes across uh, totally readable for the consumer so it's a uh, pretty you have to, like, um,
2: humanize the content because it absolutely it's not absolutely. humanized when you just go to chat gpt or wherever and just ask it to write some stuff for you
1: it's
3: yeah. really interesting to hear you say that ricky because people ask me a lot w- phone calls like why would anyone want to pick up the phone and talk to a human like all those people are going to go away and i think what you said is really interesting and that's as the ai gets better humans don't want that we want content that was made by a human. We want to interact with humans. We want that. And I think that want isn't gonna go anywhere, even if AI becomes incredible, right? Like then you will <coughs> almost like look at dealing with a human or looking something a hu- hu- looking at something a human wrote as like a privilege, as something that's exciting, right? Almost like a piece of art. And so um, I think it's great that, that you guys are doing that and reviewing everything. And also, I don't think these tools are really that great at ad copy. They, it's not quite as nuanced um, and it doesn't deliver, it, it can help, but it doesn't deliver exceptional outcomes yet anyways.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's super early in the uh, whole stage of AI development, right? So I think it'll definitely get a lot better. I mean, we're definitely seeing a lot of advantages and benefits from it but yeah just like anything else I mean there's going to be a period of time that it takes to kind of get it to mainstream and it's not there just yet but it'll get there soon enough
3: so I'm curious we don't know you that well uh but we've known each other for a really long time before we uh started the show here I was just joking that I met Ricky like a decade ago in the back of a cab at a a trade show he's been in the game a really long time and so I'm I'm curious Um, back then, I believe you were, uh, you were in payday loans actually. And so you've made, (laughs) yeah, dude, it's been a while. (laughs) I remember. And so, um, but now your business has evolved and I don't know much about it. I would really, if you don't mind sharing, I would really love to know like how you got to where you are today and like what you really love about, um, about the businesses that you're running now.
1: Well, no, that's great. Like, so we were in the payday space back in 2008, 2009, uh, when I had a network called Affiliate Venture Group, uh, which had some investors and whatnot. And then around 2010, we bought out the investors and made it into a network which focused primarily on financial products, so a lot of investing type of um, penny stocks and newsletters and 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 the like um and then i guess a couple of years after that that was merged or acquired by another network and then we started another one which you guys probably remember affiliate crossing which did a lot of business in the uh, lead gen insurance uh space um and then we merged that with a company called nutris which is a john cristani uh, company uh, which had a lot of nutraceutical and health products. And so basically ever since 2012, we've been focusing heavily within that niche. Um, I have since sold off that network that I had. And now I've been consulting for the better part of the last, what, seven to nine years and working with larger brands and networks. Um, yeah. To help them scale. But yeah, that's more or less what I've been up to since then. So what's the agency
3: business that you're running right now? So,
1: so agency has several different parts to it, right? So the main part of the agency is we will run and build your affiliate network. So we have affiliate managers in-house in our agency that can come and more or less represent your product and our network. So whether it's in the insurance space, health, Nutra, wellness, you name it, uh, we can build a team for that. Uh, Majority of my team is here, but I have a lot of people who do a lot of the affiliate recruitment abroad. Uh, Then another part of the agency is we do a ton of uh, SEO. uh, So they'll come up with the actual content, the link building piece of it, uh, and provide better rankings for a lot of our clients that are in competitive niches like we won't really go after the long tail uh, type of keywords or scenarios that don't get a ton of traffic so anything let's say like in the real estate or erectile dysfunction weight loss like something that's super competitive is what we um, focus heavily on and where our skill set lies so you're just um, you're just like
3: straight into war
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just like, I mean, especially coming from the payday loan space, everything that we've done has been like super, super competitive. Right. So uh, I just think like for us, the amount of time and effort that we put in, it doesn't really make sense to go after like low hanging fruit that everybody can do. So we kind of focus things on what we think that we have a competitive edge over somebody else that's doing it. And we kind of focus our time and effort on that
3: that's amazing so can you give us a little bit of overview on some of those i mean obviously you're not going to teach the whole thing but like a little bit of an overview on some of those seo strategies to go straight into like blood sport the most with some competitive of the most
2: verticals in the entire internet really
3: yeah that's incredible can we talk about that please
1: yeah i mean we can and we can't like uh, majority of the seo that we do is like under Because the niche that we're in, like Creative CBD, is like super controlled. So I can't really go into like the finer nuances of what it is. But um, for us, like what's helped us primarily is two things a lot of link building coming in from high authority sites and a lot of content development internally. So, which kind of goes back to the AI that we were talking about earlier on, which, you know, now our team has the ability ability to put out a ton of content relevant to each of the products that we carry within our brand, right? So one of the uh, leading brands that we kind of represent is in the Kratom niche, just Golden Monk. And there's a company called Mid 45. So between both of the brands, we have, um, I'd say, at least around 30 different products. So when we put out content related to each one of those products, our goal is to get ranked super highly within a short period of time so that we don't have affiliates infiltrating that spot, right? So Mm -hmm. a significant portion of our time goes into the SEO side, and then the balance of it gets spent on the affiliate channel.
3: I'm curious, how exactly do you generally deal with that, uh, making sure that the affiliates stay out of the earned space, right? Because we've been in we've been in this industry a really long time. One of the favorite things of, to do for an affiliate is to like brand bid or go after the obvious cheap
2: traffic to just simply. I pay. used to rank first page for wow They hated me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got sued by the video professor back in the day because I was ranking higher for that term than they were. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Hell
1: yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, so, no, so I mean, like, how is... do you
3: how do you manage that? Like, what what type of rule set and compliance overview do you do? I'm curious.
1: So, just the way we're structured, like, we had a lot of tools that identified and looked at like who the who was controlling and owning the top slots and in, in each of these things. But we we're not big fans of automated tools as it comes to that because we just have a ton of affiliates and people competing for that spot. So I have like within my team internally, uh, people that are dedicated to see who are in the top, let's say, 10 or 20 spots for each one of our terms that we want to be ranked for, and then kind of figuring out where those links are coming from. And if it happens to be one of our affiliates, we'll uh, slap them on the wrist and tell them, hey, this is not allowed and, and whatever, because we spend a ton of money internally to promote these brands. Um, and I'd say 90% of them, I mean, we'll listen to what we have to say if they want to stay with us. And there's some others that get super defensive, like, ah, we didn't do this or we're not doing it or whatever. I mean, come on. it's We have the data in front of us. I mean, there's no point to do any of this bullshit. So, yeah, I mean, like, I have a really low tolerance for bullshit and people <laughs> who don't want to play the game fairly. And, um, you know, after, and doing it as long as, like, you and I have been doing this – you know you pick your battles i mean if somebody's generating a few bucks out of brand bidding i'm not overly concerned with it but if i know that these guys buy a ton of media and sending us a lot of traffic then then we need to have that discussion so
3: we all you know Harrison and i always chuckle about this we have done as affiliates a long time ago we've done very well and one of the things that helped us be so successful at it was the fact that we were completely transparent with everybody we worked with. We would tell them exactly what we were doing, how we were doing it, when we were doing it, right? And sometimes it blows back on you. I'm not gonna name any names, but we had an advertiser completely steal our advertising creative, our ad copy, and then go to an ad network and try and buy the exact same traffic. It happened once kind of in a a really big way. Um, The ad network actually told them no. Because uh, we were their hmm. largest buyer of media, so they're like, "Yeah,
2: sorry, we're not going to let you." It happened twice, actually. Did it happen twice? Both of them did it. Was it the same one? Yeah. He's fucking UJP one. Yeah, exactly. <Yeah>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> UJP one was the directory folder name of the landing page, and we caught two motherfuckers doing it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So but you know what even even with that like it happens
3: someone could take it whether they're your partner or not we still believe that transparency is so important because when you find a good partner who who send a screenshot, don't give the URL. (laughs) All right, that's fair. But when you find a good partner that wants to work with you, they're gonna tell you what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. They're gonna look at what you're doing. They're gonna help you. And if you do a really great job, you can build like an amazing partnership together. And then it opens up new opportunities for years. And I think people in our industry, because the ads change so much and the advertisers change so much and everything changes so much, they forget that the people who own these companies and who are running things in the affiliate and performance space are the same people who've been doing it for 20 years, like you, Ricky, like us. And so, you know, eight years later, if you come back and you're like, dude, you weren't transparent with me eight years ago, why Why am I gonna do this biz now? Um, like we remember, and it's just yeah. so much better to be transparent and to build really powerful, long lasting re- relationships. Um, I know you agree with me, and I don't even know you
1: that well. Oh, 1000%. And to the credit of the industry, like we've matured a lot as an industry, right? I mean, what it was like 10 years ago was 100% different than what it is now. Way more
2: Wild West.
1: yeah, so, you know, I, I just think, like, and like, all these uh, different uh, Offer Vault shows that you guys do and the people that you guys bring on, I mean, these are the class acts of the industry. These are people that we want to work with, right? So, and, you know, there's always, like, noise that you want to cancel out. And, and we've learned to identify that fairly quickly. But there's a select group of individuals that we want to work with, that we enjoyed working with. Um, that we focus our time and effort on. Like you've had Jason Eckert from Ads for Doe, You had Jake Kaufman a little while ago. I mean, him and I go back many, many years. Like these are the type of people that I want to work with, right? I, I don't have time for nonsense. Like I wake up not to work and make money. I wake up because I want to see my daughter Succeed in college, right? I want to see my wife happy, and we were able to travel and all that. So, if there's anything that kind of takes me away from my happy place, it's not for me. And you're not going to be working with me if that is the case. So, uh, yeah, we have a uh, sh- super short views when it comes to like non-compliance and people that we don't want to work with. And that's why
3: transparency is so important. If you just show your partners what you're doing. They'll be like, that's okay, this
2: is not. Or, hey, why don't you change this or update this creative because it's a little, you know, whatever it is, you can fix it. But if you just try to be a sneaky little fucker, then
1: (laughs) so says the guy who looks like a little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) And and most of these sneaky fuckers are, like, abroad and Pakistan and China and... And whatever but yeah
3: <laughs> so pro tip you should always do compliance on a video call if you're listening and you want to apply to a network or you want to apply to a company to run an offer you should do a video call make sure they're real people
1: <laughs> yeah I mean, just communicate and be transparent man it's that that's all it takes i mean it's not rocket science here
3: So where do you see some of these affiliate programs headed? You know, I know you're in a bunch of different verticals, and so that gives you a really unique perspective on the media buying landscape and what affiliates are doing. And I'm just curious if you can share with us maybe some of the sort of future-based opportunities that you're seeing or shifts in the landscape that you're seeing that affiliates might want to be aware of.
1: Yeah, I mean, just as a broad industry, I mean, like, we are now expected to generate in excess of like $12 billion, like the affiliate industry itself, right? Which is now triple what it was 10 years ago. So it's growing at an exponential pace. 40% of the merchants that are in the US have affiliate marketing as their top channel to drive customers and traffic. And that's huge. Like, uh, you know, a few years ago, it wasn't nearly as large, right? So I do think that you still have 60% of the U.S. merchants that affiliate marketing is not their primary source of traffic generation that people here can certainly tap into. And then, you know, what we touched upon earlier with AI and the content generation aspect of it, to the extent that you can start putting out content um, and putting out a lot of it, it will certainly help you as an affiliate. But just in terms of niches where you know like your weight loss erectile dysfunction these are all like evergreen type of niches right but uh, over the last few years like cbd and now kratom have uh, taken i've come like front and center which are like super um profitable niches if you can get yourself ranked and get get your media approved for them. But you know what, like you can take any industry and you can find like a sweet spot and something that works extremely well for you uh, as an affiliate and and do it. Because if you're doing something that you're not thoroughly passionate about and you don't enjoy, it's not really going to pan out for you a whole lot. Right. But if you truly generally, like I enjoy stock trading, and I enjoy crypto, and I enjoy investing. So a lot of my personal affiliate sites and programs that we have, I mean, I write a ton of content about that, and and I thoroughly enjoy it. But if you were to tell me and write about some toenail fungus, I have no freaking idea about that. And that's not something that I would personally do, right? But yeah, I mean, just follow your passion, and you'll be fine.
3: I think what you said there is really interesting because that's not the affiliate mindset. The affiliate mindset is like, look at what everyone else is doing to make money and try and copy it generally. But what you said there is so profound and impactful for someone who wants to build a real business. It's something that we learned <clears throat> a long time ago. It's something that we are super proud of, especially with Ringbow where we help enable so many people, thousands of people, to build businesses for themselves and, you know, take care of their families and like, build amazing things. And we're super passionate about that. So it allows us to focus in a completely different way and to really invest ourselves in what we're doing. And I don't think affiliates truly understand how powerful that can be, especially the younger ones. And if they picked some of these areas where they were actually passionate about, just like you said, you know, you approach it in a completely different way, there's fun to it you can be playful with it and these things come across in your marketing in a very different way and so i i really wish i'd see
2: more affiliates taking a more passionate approach to what they were Choosing to run. And- if you're more passionate about financial stuff, then work in the financial space. If your passion is mesothelioma, yeah. then focus on mesothelioma. <laughs> it's just, it just really depends on what your, your passion
1: is about. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's the thing, right? Like, So affiliates have a need for greed historically. And so when they use some of their spy tools and see somebody's like doing this kind of uh, ad for adult male enhancement, erectile dysfunction, <laughs> they say, okay, I might be able to do the same thing but the fact of the matter is, and I tell this to my daughter all the time, is that you're meant to be unique. Why are you trying to be like others, right? There's no reason for you to do what somebody else is doing, do your own thing, follow your passion, follow your dream. And for her, it's worked out. And the same thing is which I tell with any of our affiliates and even our employees, like there's no reason for anybody to do something because somebody else is doing it. If you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to be giving your all to what we're trying to achieve and do here. So there's no point. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, that I'm guilty well of us. it too.
3: I'll be honest about it. <clears throat> when I was much younger, I think it was almost 15 years ago. Uh, I was at a dinner in San Francisco. I believe it was ad tech. And a gentleman who worked at a network, very, very smart individual, asked me if I understood how my advertisers made their money. And I didn't. I was like why do i care about that it's my job to drive the leads and it was a terrible terrible answer to the question and he actually started yelling at me and telling me that i need to understand what my advertisers are doing how they make their money all these things because if i take the time to understand it and really invest the time in it i'll be able to deliver better quality leads to them, have a more sustainable campaign. And also I can get into it, right? Like if you learn about the industry and how it works and get really excited about it, you can create um, a more powerful campaign and become passionate about it. You may not be passionate at first. And um, the guy's name was actually Kent Kielbeck and I'm really grateful for this conversation. Um, And so what happened after that is I went, and I learned all about the back end on this offer and I actually did such a good job generating leads that they gave me the exclusive on it for almost four four and a half years and it was a AdWords campaign I never edited it it just printed it just paid it's awesome and it's because I I listened and I learned and I I took that it was shocking
2: advice i mean we were literally in a restaurant and he started screaming at me it takes us back to <laughs> one of the key the key things we talk There's, about which is if you change your mentality from like spinning plates to trying to build something you're just going to succeed so much more in this industry and we talk about this like probably every other episode but it's another example of it if you know what you yeah. you should be aiming towards you're gonna see more you know profit at the end of
1: the no day. that's awesome like Yeah, I know with most of the brands, like when I take them on as a client, right, so one of the things that that's important to me that all of them are super transparent and communicative about how their business functions, right? Because like, to your point, if the affiliate doesn't really know what happens in the back end, how are they going to actively promote it successfully? right so we kind of make it a point like for golden mug mid 45 we've actually had individuals come to our office so we can walk them through the whole process of how the product is built how we look to market it what our internal marketing team is doing and where their opportunity lies and this is what they can potentially do with pineapple which uh, you know which has been a client of offer vault in the past and whatnot with them i've been working with with them now for, what, seven years? And if an affiliate has any questions, we will do a Zoom call or a Skype call with the owner of the company, and he will walk them through all the different flows that we have, whether it be through the VSL, the TSL, the upsells, the downsell, all of that so that the affiliate understands that whole process a lot better. So, yeah, I mean, if my client isn't, willing to do that then that's not something somebody that i want to work with uh so to the extent that these guys are fully uh, aware of the fact that we're here to help them make money and help them succeed yeah then that that's a good partnership for us i think as
3: the industry continues to grow and change as you cited this is going to become more and more important and what i hate to see is i hate to see affiliates who find a campaign that works and then wash out six months later when the landscape changes and the reason for that is that they didn't take the time to really learn and understand how all these things work. And when they do, the opportunity they're presented with changes. If you take the time to understand how all your advertisers are making their money and how to be a great business partner and do all these things, six months or a year later, you have an idea, you can go build a real business, stay in the industry and do something amazing. And that was actually our evolution, right? We started as affiliates many, many years ago. And then we're like, we love this industry, we want to build. And I think, you know, as someone who's already gone on this journey, if any affiliates are listening, I really, really think that you should dive in and learn as much as possible about every single campaign you're working on, because it will spark an idea. And maybe that creates competition in the future, maybe you know, they go off and do something else uh, in another industry but but understanding uh, businesses and how they work and how they make their money and how to be a great partner. That's a fundamental skill to success in any industry. And I think it's just kind of like a thing in affiliate marketing that will never be able to get rid of people see the you know the easy wins and go after it. Um, but I don't know. I don't know about you, Ricky, but I'm really grateful for our industry. It's It's been profoundly impactful in my life. And um, I just, I, I love to see people uh, actually take the time to build something in it
1: because it's just so cool. I mean, this industry is the best. Like, and I think I, when Josh and I spoke in a previous interview, I actually gave him the story of how I got into this industry, which was by a, a mistake. Like, I, Like, my background was like, pre-med in college and a Spanish scholarship. And I didn't either when I graduated. I used to run a, uh, own a coffee shop in Chicago, which had like, I had one of my customers walk in and he seemed like super pissed off. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? He goes like, you know, we charged, um, our SEO firm charged us like $100,000 to get ranking for all these like 10 keywords and they've done squat over the last six months. And I'm like, jokingly, I said, give me half of that and give me three months. And I kid you not, the next day, he comes into my shop, lays a check for 50 grand on my counter. And he goes, have at it. I'm wow. Like, okay, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> I <Like>, had <I'd> never done <laughs> <go laughs> an <laughs> It's a good, good. problem to so have. Like, yeah, so, I, so I went to uh, Elance, which is now Upwork. I put a project on there, and I met this company in Jaipur, India, and they say, Hey, Ricky, we'll guarantee you results for two thousand dollars within three months and lo and behold, in like month two and a half, every single word was at the top, and I paid them the two thousand dollars and I kept the forty eight and I've been doing it ever since I'm like, there's a good business to be had here <laughs> <It's been> else <hell laughs> <So, laughs> yeah, I mean, my family still doesn't know what I do, but hey, whatever. <laughs>
0: No, it's okay. I can relate to that, man. Uh, I think you know. We can I know. To yeah. <laughs> I know you, you you've just been tell your
2: son. You're like, "What do you do for a living?" You're Like, I just mispronounce words on a podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm going to be replaced by a robot soon, Ricky. I know you. Uh, you've worked with a lot of companies and consulted with a lot of companies. So I'm curious, what areas of these businesses you work with are you consistently seeing needing the most improvements to become more successful?
1: That's a great question. Um, So the majority of the times when somebody calls me to consult them, it's typically for the affiliate network side of the business. But what we break it down into three different things, right? One is the operational aspect of it. Then the other one is like turnaround aspect of it. Like if a business is failing and they want to turn that around. And then there's a short term, which kind of addresses like specific challenges that the company may have. So when I'm talking about operational, you know, in terms of uh, payments, customer service, logistics, fulfillment, and all that, so... (laughs) While I do that, that's not where my passion lies, right? But when a company is looking to, let's say, turn around or address a certain need, whether it be in terms of getting more affiliates, generating more revenue, that's when I'd be able to come in and kind of plug and play my team into their business so we can go and start scaling it. Because what happens is a lot of times when you have internal employees that have been at a company for a a while, they kind of lose um, what the bigger picture is and what they're trying to attain, what they're trying to achieve. And it's almost like what we used to call banner blindness in the past. So they don't really see what the larger opportunity is. Right. So that's when, you know, one of your questions was earlier on that document, like, What do you say to the companies who consider consultants a waste, right? So in my mind, the people who say that are the ones who actually need it more, because they're being defensive about their current situation, and they don't really understand what opportunity that they're potentially missing. And that's where we actually come in, take a high-level overview, look at what they're doing and where they can improve, and then we like not, then we kind of hammer down into each one of these sectors and say, okay, these are the things that we want to work on. This is what the expected or potential outcome of this would be. Uh, so it's a pretty methodical uh, type of approach that we've taken. It took us a long time to kind of develop that approach, uh, and for the most part, it's worked fairly well for
0: Yeah, you talk about generating more revenue. Clearly, like, I think everyone understands what that means when when they hear it. But what does that mean to you? I mean, I know you probably don't want to give too much away. So people still come to you for help. But when someone says, I'm trying to generate more revenue, like, what are the first two or three things that you really look at to to figure out what approach? Where do you to focus and
2: spend your time kind of looking under the hood to find those uh, you know, revenue optimization opportunities?
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, like typically when we're brought on, right, the first thing that we focus on on the affiliate side is affiliate recruitment, because that's like the biggest challenge for most of these networks and or product owners that they want more affiliates, they don't have enough, they don't go to the trade shows, they don't talk to people like you guys, and they just don't have access to that. So once we focus like for the first quarter, let's say, on affiliate recruitment, then we focus on traffic generation by these affiliates. So whether it's through search, native, email, display, um, social, we'll figure out like what the sweet point for each of these affiliates is and what they're able to do in terms of uh, generating sales. And then we'll like for, uh, dig down a little bit deeper in terms of okay we see that these affiliates are generating revenue. How do we get them to scale? Because the quality looks great, similar to how you were running uh, Adam a campaign for four or five years that nobody you didn't have to adjust any of the ad copy. Here you have a lot of people copying like the creatives, the ad copies, the email. The- and whatever. So we have to kind of figure out what is it that we can give them that'll give them a distinct advantage to take them from $1,000 a day to $5,000 a day to $10,000 a day, right? So that's where we're like either help them with the uh, keywords or build a dedicated uh, page for them to drive traffic to so they don't have to compete with any other affiliate. Um, and then we take a look at, let's say, the average AOV, the average order value that these affiliates are generating relative to what our lifetime value is. How do we get them to increase that AOV to close us to where our lifetime value for that consumer is? And whether that's us dissecting that traffic, is it only making the first initial sale of, let's say, the one bottle, three bottles, or the five bottles, or... Are they going further into our funnel and buying the upsells that we have and the downsells that we have? And if not, why is that traffic dropping off? What is it that we can do to kind of um, help them convert higher? So we take a look at all of that data and we go very deeply to kind of identify where that drop off is and then kind of have that discussion with the affiliate and or the networks uh, to let them know, and then see what possibilities reside for us to kind of get that scaled up for them. Does that answer? Yeah, your no, a hundred
0: percent. Was a
1: fucking amazing answer.
0: <laughs> my my follow up question is: Is there ever a right time for a company to bring in a consultant? Um, and if so, in your opinion, when is that time, or or is any time a great time to bring in a consultant?
1: Um. I want to think about that right like like you as a company owner more often than not will know how your company is doing and if you feel that hey our affiliate department has been somewhat stagnant for the last two years is there something that we can do to increase that that's a good time to bring somebody in or if you find out that cost-wise, your product cost is going up relative to the shipment, the fulfillment, the customer service. What is it that we can do to kind of offset that cost or even reduce it? That's a good time to bring somebody like us in because the number of contacts that we have within the space that touch every aspect of a business is unlimited. Like, so Whereas this product owner may not have all these contacts, we actually do. So from that perspective, it might be any time might be a good solid time. But if you're feeling uh, growth pain and you're not able to get to a point where you want to be, or you're not meeting your uh, OKRs or your goals, then yeah, you probably need to bring somebody like us in to kind of take a look at it holistically. And then identify on a granular level like okay this is where our attention needs to go
0: yeah definitely well ricky i really want to thank you for coming on the podcast today we'd love to have you back on later this year for myself josh from offervault.com, Mr. Paper Call himself, Adam Young, as well as the industry legend, Harrison Gewurz, and the founder of the ad agency Focus Squared, Ricky Ahuja. Let's make that paper, let's make that dough. This was the affiliate marketing show. We will see you next time, everybody.
1: Awesome, guys, thanks for having me.